I'll just see you out there, Kevin. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports. Our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns. Now. No, we wouldn't lie to you. Kellen Olsen is here. He's in the studio. He joins us right now. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray in for Wolf. Kellen, now you were out there when we were doing show prep this morning. Mm-hmm. I like to think you got here four hours early for this interview. Is that true? <laughs> I'm just pulling off the trifecta today. I was on Bickley Marotta four hours ago. I'm going to be on Birds and Gabo at 3.30. Stay tuned. Nice. Take three. You want to hear me say the same stuff three different times? <laughs> All right. We're going to stay tuned. We're going to have to ask Kellen about something. Just the first word that pops into your head. <laughs> I tell you, I found one of the donuts out there mm-hmm. and, and nobody wanted it because it was like, oh, it's You control. eating random food around here? No way. This so unlike of? you. <laughs> Okay, it paid off finally, right? Yeah. Nobody wanted it. It was the last donut. And they're like, oh, it might be lemon-filled, yeah. it might be raz- Nutella-filled. Okay, Ray, you're seeing him at a healthy time. He used to do the rundown at 6 p.m., like, <laughs> and he would have his dinner be like a Nutri-Grain bar and like some half donut from like three days ago. Yeah. Or Jared Carlin would run the show, and he would be like, hey, let's go get food like before the show. And right. I'm like, okay, well, we can't both leave, you fool. Like The show starts at 6. So he would order it at like way too late. We'd talk about it for 45 minutes, and he would sprint back in at 5.50 with the food that I then couldn't eat for two hours. I, I, I will say, I always laugh when I'm listening because I'll hear you know the remark from time to time about Luke and, and the food questions <laughs> and food issues. And I think to myself, how long has he been doing this show now? <laughs> you would think I would plan better. But I don't. And we you did this week. You know, but it, was, it was priceless to witness like kind of the, I'm really hungry. And the consternation on his face, like, I want to bite into this, but there's a part of me that goes, I want a jelly-filled donut. That's just a mistake. It's the reason it's the last one. But then when I saw him, like, he was like, wow. I didn't know they made Nutella donuts. Our best showing is when a couple weeks ago we ate pizza in between breaks from, like, 1230 to 2, and, like, the crash came as we were leaving. Like, yeah. I'm sure you took a nap right when I did, too. Yeah. <laughs> or then we had the lobster rolls for the Christmas party. Oh, yeah, and Everybody gosh. just fell asleep in the 1 o'clock hour. All right. See, they're not going to ask you about that on Burns and Gambo, and that's why we went down that path. Hey. Uh, as far as the Phoenix Suns. You got Memphis tomorrow. You got Denver on Christmas Day. So right out of the the, the gate here, that's um that's the two top teams in the Western Conference right now. What what do you what do you look for at this point in the regular season when it feels like it is a different Suns team every couple nights with who's actually playing? Just for them specifically, or with those matches? Well, just specifically with the Suns. Like, how do you evaluate this team when one night Devin Booker's not in, the next night, and Cam Johnson hasn't been in, and it just feels like not only are they rotating players, but the teams they're playing are rotating players. Yeah, well, I think it's what everyone else besides Devin Booker is doing on the offense right now, and that specifically ties to Chris Paul and just how he looks night in and night out. I wrote in a recap, but a couple games ago that he has now become the most important storyline on the team by far. Just watching him game to game. So, for example. Before the second game of the back-to-back against Washington, the two games prior, like he start, started to look like himself a bit, and, and that was very uh, good to see for for obvious reasons. But then against Washington, it, it looked like the second game of the back-to-back really caught up to him, and just seeing how his. Um, not, not his feel, but just his ability to get to his spots, create separation, the way that he looks on the movements we're used to seeing him make, how that looks. But then also they've had games most recently against Washington, their last game, in fact, where they've run a lot of the offense through DeAndre and Mikel Bridges. How does that look? How consistent is it? it? The consistency isn't where it needs to be, but we're in December. So you hope by April and May, which is what uh, Monty Williams said back in training camp, you hope by April and May that that stuff is, is more sorted out because that's where the team's direction is right now. But of course, the cloud looming all 
uh, over all of this is the trade with Jay Crowder and how that could potentially impact that sort of need right now for those three guys specifically to step up offensively because I think a lot of people assume they're going to make a deal for someone who is going to uh, figure into that rotation offensively pretty prominently. Yeah, it's... uh... It's interesting because I know I, I was listening on the drive-in where you talk with uh, with Big and Murata about Chris and the, the dilemma with Chris. And EJ has said it a couple times. Like, clearly without – it's a very short training camp. And when you look at Chris's absence with the 14 games, he's still kind of like ramping himself up. But he's also a guy that doesn't want to sit. You know, he, he doesn't want to buy into the load management and, and the resting. And if you're Monty Williams, you've got to weigh that. But then the the injury issues with the other guys play a direct role in even being able to do that. And look, there's no guarantee that all of a sudden, okay, it's 2023. Everybody's healthy the rest of the way. No. Yeah, when when Devin Booker's out, we know who needs to step up the most, and it's Chris. And, and it was for those first two years here. It just was. And his inability to do that this year has really hurt them in the limited time we've seen Booker miss time. So it, that's where they really need him during this injury stretch more than anything else. But then also for his own sake, you just wonder from a rhythm standpoint where he's at. And, and I think that... Injury is on this team, like they're going to happen for any team, of course, but injuries happening to him more specifically. We're eager, of course, to see the injury report coming this afternoon to see if he's listed on it. He had the right shoulder thing pop up again against Washington. It looked like he said after the game, he, he was scared more than anything else, but we've heard Chris Paul say he's fine. I could have played before and then miss a month. That, that just happened last month, in fact. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see on that front in terms of when he pops up there, but I think he's the guy more than anyone else on the team that needs to avoid injury. And that's where I, where I side with you, K Ray, and kind of saying he's the guy that doesn't want to miss any games but at the same time we need you to stay healthy through the course of the regular season so you can find the rhythm because the on-off switch right now hasn't been as easy as it once was for him in the past yeah and and we don't have any real clear timetable and not that we've gotten a specific timetable from uh, any of the previous injuries but no real clear timetable on the return of campaign no, which, uh, which yeah. factors into all that, and with a a grueling road trip coming up. Exactly. So if Chris misses any time, they're they're in, they're in huge trouble because Cam has been so good as a starter, specifically the last two years, where they would be in trouble. He's he's in a boot. I've seen him walking around in a boot lately. Right. So I think that's gonna it's gonna be a while for that him would suggest. Now. I that's, mean, let's say we from today. Can, can you, you're tell suggesting me at least a week. Exactly. That's like the lightest we can go because uh, I, I think people, I, I can post a picture of him in a boot and people be like, great, he's out for three months. And it's like, no, well, no, we don't know. But we know that it's it's serious in that regard. And he's probably going to miss a little bit of time. So, yeah, I would guess that he's not back until at least the start of the new year. Yeah. And, and when you look at in using Chris's injury as an example as well, the one thing that James and Monty have, have always both you know, gone by, which is they don't want guys coming back and playing 60 or 70 percent of their like minutes. It's like, no, when you come back, you're going to be ready to play. So if you factor that in seven days, so then trying to get trying to get any kind of conditioning while you're on that long road trip. So, yeah, happy 2023. (laughs) Maybe it was a cowboy boot. Can you tell us it was a cowboy boot? So I always bring positivity to the show. Every well, here, time. That's what I do. Before I blow up the clock completely, I do want to ask you this, though, because with Shamit going off in that last game, in Kellen Olsen's mind, who is the guy on the bench right now that has the most upside on this team? Is it Shamit? 
Oh yeah, it's always him. Yeah, because yeah. when when they signed him before he even played for this team, the idea and and it was a logical one that he's like the perfect guard to play with either of those guys, Paul or Booker, because he, despite what his numbers have been here, where he's been a fairly average shooter, he was an elite shooter. I looked up the numbers coming into his time in Phoenix, and if you just looked at the guys who had as many three point attempts as he did over that course of time, I think his first four years, he he was a guy who was shooting like one of the top fifteen numbers in the league from a percentage standpoint, an elite shooter in the league and then you factor that in with the on-ball stuff that he wasn't able to show in other places but Monty Williams alluded to with his time in college and we've seen more of it this year than we have at any other point in his career it's a guy that makes perfect sense offensively and then defensively we heard like mixed bag kind of carry for the right. most part coming in and he's been great he's, he's been one of the best defenders on the team I would say. defender yeah and and he's he's been a terrific on-ball defender and now another season in he's He's become a great communicator and a guy that fights. And that's what I said yesterday and today, both like if that's the version we've all been waiting for of Landry Shamit, and you know this as well as I do, and EJ and I have talked about it, um, Landry has been his own worst enemy. It's like yes. it, it is what is between his ears and the limitations for whatever reason that he tends to put on himself in games, even like the other night. He had hit six threes and like, dude, you are the offense right now. You're the reason why we're coming back. And then he passed up a couple different looks. Mm-hmm. And I, as I told Luke, I was like, that's not limitations being put on by Monty or his teammates. They're looking at him like, shoot, shoot the more. ball. Yeah, from from <laughs> hyper, passing it to you. From really hyper-focusing on the NBA the last eight to nine years in the way that I have, I think the number one skill that a guy can have and I know when I say confidence people think of J.R. Smith and Jordan Clarkson shooting from 40 feet and taking terrible shots like we Kuzma's a fantastic player and I think he's a great fit for the Suns but you saw in that game like he takes bad shots but he's a confident guy who's going to take those shots and the worst case is you have a guy like Landry where I remember the first time Monty said we're telling him like everyone tells him shoot more and in my head I was like red flag like that that's not good the guy who is out there to shoot needs to shoot without thinking about it at all and that's the number one thing for him once he finds that confidence can he get there? But we're now, I think, 80, 90 games into his son's tenure so far, and you just start to wonder when it's maybe time to move on. The trade deadline's coming up. He has a mid-level contract right now that is very friendly in terms of the guarantees on it in the next two years where the team trading firm could get off it earlier if they wanted to. But if you keep him here and the experiment works out, you've got, it. like I said, the perfect third guard. But like you said, k just in, in between the ears. That, that's all he needs to figure out, and once he does, he's a terrific player off the bench. Terrific. we got to have you back on at some point, and maybe I'll just call in to burn and Gambo because I want to ask you about Kyle Kuzma, but we, we are out of time now. Thank He's you, good. Colin. Trade for him. Yes. Give up your draft picks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that, I guess sort of answered. Yeah. I'll tell you the story out there. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Red Hot Chili Peppers are heading to State Farm Stadium on May 14th with the Strokes. Tickets are on sale now, but you can win a pair of tickets by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. We come back another week, another episode of Hard Knocks on the Cardinals. We'll react to some of it next. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray, and for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, thanks to Kellen Olsen for joining us last segment. Now we'll go back out there. We just did another segment during the break. <laughs> I was going to say, there was a lot of basketball talk during that break. Uh, but hey, you know. It's a beautiful do, thing. We need to do like the exclusive podcast, which is the between the actual segments podcast. Right, Although, right. Uh, yeah, that, that would... Sometimes that's the better content. Uh, Back to football. 
Hard knocks last night. Cardinals, at this point, you're just kind of looking for any sort of insight from that show that, you know, gives you something to think about for next year, right? I mean, there's nothing, there's not, there's not anything that really matters that much this year. We played the clip earlier of Bill Bidwell uh, telling the team about uh, Steve Kimes' absence. Played the clip earlier about uh, J.J. Watt telling his teammates on the practice field, okay, you still got three games left, or at that point, four games left. Like, this is not, you don't pack it in now. And I think that obviously carries a lot more weight when it's coming from a J.J. Watt. Uh, here's Vance Joseph talking about J.J. and his work ethic. I think they get no sprints. We like to work. That's what make him him, bro. He can't keep still. J.J. Mine, still a walk-on. Start that what, playing tight end? Oh, he did start there, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mine, he's still a walk-on. First ballot, bro. First ballot. I was with him when we drafted him in Houston. Yeah, Houston. Work ethic was always there. That's the guy you want around these young defensive players right now. Whether J.J. Watt is here next year or not, he's around Zach Allen and Cameron Thomas and MyJ Sanders and those guys, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons right now. Yeah, and, and it's the thing that's always like kind of puzzled me just about professional sports in, in general, uh, whether it be football, basketball, any professional sport. Just the number of examples that, that young players... And even other vets have in their locker room at their disposal, and yet they go unutilized, underappreciated, undervalued in in their eyes. Because, as you heard right there, still have the mentality of of a walk on. And I said this, I've said this numerous times because of my job covering the NBA and the Sun specifically, but you know, seeing other players around the league. And it's just always amazed me and baffled me. You have all of these unlimited resources, current players, retired players, that you can lean on for information, insight, you know, uh, experiences on how can I stay in the league? Um, how, how can I become an all-star? What do I need to do? How can I take care of my finances? How can I ensure that my family will be taken? All of these resources, and, and you just, it pains me to see so many young players miss those opportunities, fail to take those opportunities. And it's not just them, it's the people around them that, that, you know, don't help them. Yeah. Um, and then you got dudes like JJ Watt. It's like, that is a walking billboard. For how you operate in the NFL, offense, defense doesn't matter. Like if you want to stay in the league, you watch that guy for two weeks, and you're like, okay, there is my blueprint. <laughs> well, and all these rookies on defense are you know second, third year players. Like they did watch JJ Watt as fans, as kids growing up, right? I mean, it's not like he's that old, but he's been in the league and he's been an impact player. Pretty much, not since day one, and he reminded everybody of that on Hard Knocks last week because he's like, yeah, my first eight weeks I was terrible, and I finally just kind of decided if I'm going to be terrible, I'm going to be terrible my own way at least, and then obviously he took off. But we talked to these guys in rookie camp, they are all like, the guy I want to meet is J.J. Watt. And so, to your point, I, I 
the biggest thing that you may get out of these final few weeks now is just keeping those guys around J.J. Watt as much as possible on every right. day of practice. Hey, J.J., Sunday I know you're day. married. I know you got a newborn. Can we do a couple sleepovers? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe another football party. <laughs> they should all be watching Thursday Night Football together right now. I guess maybe maybe you can have Christmas off. Right. There, there, there you go. There you, you, go. You, don't know, you don't know how long he's going to be on this team. He might be back next year. He certainly played well enough to be back next year. But you don't know what the team's mentality is next. Next year is next year not a throwaway year, but a kind of like okay, we got to we got a full real. reset. Yeah, now, yeah. You don't want to use the word rebuild because you've got you've still got enough weapons, but you you have to be realistic with yourself and and your fans. It, yeah, if you're if you're hitting you know kind of a mini rebuild or like a reset, maybe paying JJ Watt isn't the most prudent thing to do. Whatever it is, he's here right now. He's playing well, but that's not translating to wins for you. But what may translate to wins for you a year or two or three down the line is if Zach Allen is better because of JJ Watt or Cameron Thomas and Zach Allen already is better. And it's not just because of JJ Watt, but he is he's gotten significantly better this year. Uh real quick too, another guy to watch these final few weeks. I didn't love the pick of a tight end early in the second round, your first pick of the draft because you traded your first rounder away, but Trey McBride is now part of the future. It wasn't a knock on Trey McBride. It was just I, they had other needs, but right. you, you have him now. Uh, he talked on Hard Knocks about Zach Ertz. Seeing Zach go down was devastating. I feel very honored and, and excited that, that they give me the chance to go in and, and take over for what he's done. Hey, this is your party now. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Else. I know, I'm just saying. There's nothing to even think about. You catch the ball and make people miss and do what you can do, all right? You're a bad Let's go show it right now, all right? He's got to be good. He doesn't have to be good this Sunday against the Buccaneers, but you took him with a second-round pick, and again, it was your first pick of the draft, so that adds a little more emphasis to it. And it's not he's got to be good, otherwise we're all going to roast the, the GM for taking a tight end when they didn't necessarily need a tight end. It's not that. He was your first pick in the draft. He has to be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like He needs to be an impact player next right. year. Yeah. So yeah, I, I haven't seen him play obviously enough, but uh, it, it does sound like he is. I mean, he's got the tools without a doubt, um, and it is one of the the benefits with the injuries. Like he's going to get reps in games that are meaningful for his future at that position with yeah. his team. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, depth has been a concern for the Suns since the end of last season, but some guys are emerging. How do you feel about that depth now? We'll talk about it next. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It does kind of feel like the last day of school before the holiday break, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, things just get a little crazy. Eating, no comment. Uh, Nutella-filled uh, donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it, I just... <laughs> uh, all right, so the uh, the Suns will get Memphis tomorrow. They'll get Denver on Sunday. Those are the top two teams in the Western Conference right now. And then, uh, to follow that up, they'll get Memphis on Tuesday. So this is not an easy stretch of games coming up, K-Ray. Uh, and it's it's going to be a test, just kind of like a measuring stick, I would say, against Memphis at least. I mean Denver too, but Memphis is. We talked about this earlier of who's a legitimate title contender 
in the NBA this year. Memphis has got to be on that list. I, they're on my list. <laughs> I mean, they may not be on everybody else's list, but they were on my list coming into the season. And we were talking about this earlier. Uh, and there is a, a great piece on ESPN.com. Kevin Pelton writes, uh, making sense of the historic logjam in the NBA's Western Conference. And he's absolutely correct. Uh, but Memphis, if John Morant doesn't get hurt last year, there is a very, very real chance that Memphis beats Golden State. I truly believe that. And they would have beat Dallas. And they would have beat Dallas. So then that means either Memphis or Boston. I mean, and I'm not going to project that Memphis definitely would have beaten Boston, but either way, they would have beaten, they would have been in the finals if right. they get past Golden State. Yeah. As you and, should be if you get past Golden State. And they're a year more mature with an extremely young team. Jaron Jackson Jr. is healthy. For the first time, I mean, people forget he's been, you know, he, he's been hurt for much of the, the last couple of seasons. He's healthy now. He is right now in the mix and at least conversation for defensive player of the year. That was always like the concern. Like if this dude gets healthy back in with Steven Adams, mm-hmm. they, they can kind of in some ways like New Orleans, they can kind of throw a couple of different lineups and looks at you. Desmond Bain hasn't even been playing. And this guy has been lights out as a three-point shooter and a just an all-around scorer. I mean, there's lots of execs going, boy, I wish I could get a do-over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you want to... Let's see what year was that. I'm going to look that up during the break. Of this is this is sometimes the best or worst game to play, and everybody does it. Who did your team take ahead? And I'm not even going to look at who the Suns. It's just like who, what players went in that draft ahead of Desmond Bain, who was good in college. He wasn't like he wasn't. I don't know that anybody thought he was going to be this good. Obviously, because well, you know, here we are, two years later, and he's one, amazing. one of the. I remember reading or hearing one of the the scouting you know knocks on him. Uh, short arms doesn't seem to be hurting him. <laughs> doesn't really... affect his three point shooting stroke it, it or his not. scoring stroke. Maybe, yes, maybe they're it's short, even a faster shot. He's built like a human bowling ball and can jump out of the gym. I mean, like he's got all of the other tools, and you know, it's it's a little bit like the you know, like a little bit like the the NFL Combine. I think some guys can get scrutinized so much that you start looking for deficiencies yeah. rather than looking at like all of the upside. Okay, maybe his arms are shorter compared to Mikhail Bridges. So is 80% of the rest of the league. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that doesn't mean you don't draft him. Yeah, I forgot, though. This is the 2020 draft, which I have said I'm not looking at ever again. It's, it ended up being a pretty good draft, but my, uh, yeah. <laughs> Too bad Kellen's not in here. He can reinforce that of sitting here on draft night being like, hey, Halliburton's still there. Oh, they took Jalen Smith, and now Jalen Smith's not on the team. And he's not bad. So, yes, this is why we don't talk about the 2020 draft. But it's just uh, safe to say there are quite a few teams that passed on Desmond Bain around the league that are like, oh, yeah, we would take that guy right now. As far as the Suns and their depth going forward, we were talking about this with Kellen when he was in here earlier this uh, this hour. Landry Shamit, what he did the other night is a glimpse into like, man, if he could just... He doesn't have to do that every night. Otherwise, he'd be a starter. Uh, right. But if you could, could you give... Could you give us like seventy percent of what we saw the other night? Well, look, think, think about think about a couple of the games there in New Orleans that the Suns lost, and, and and you know, unfortunately, Landry did not play well in in those games. It, and, and this team's depth 
you know, that was one of the questions coming into the season because of the moves that were made or weren't made. But it's being tested in ways that, you know, they couldn't have imagined because of the injuries. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if if you can if you can believe and feel pretty confident that you're going to get anywhere from 10 to 17 points a night from Landry. I can live with that. And with the occasional 30-point outburst, yeah, nine threes. go off. Right. And take that load off of Chris. Take that load off of Book. Take that load off of D.A. Th- put another threat on the floor because that, that becomes the issue. Because we talked about that earlier in the show, you know, how Mikel, people are like, you know, while well, his, his scoring is fluctuating. Well, look, Mikel is, is still working through and, and learning like what it's like to be like the main guy on the floor now, like him and DA being the primary scorers because there's no Devin Booker out there to take pressure off you. And so McKella is seeing more defenses thrown at him and he's higher on the scouting report when book is not playing. So he's having to make adjustments on the fly. That's part of his, the growth of his game. Um, and it will need to continue to grow. Where do you have that? We've had Wolf and I had this discussion quite a bit when Cam Johnson got hurt because, on the one hand, it's like, okay, Cam Johnson could be the number two scorer on this team in a perfect world. Okay, you're making a run through the playoffs. Cam Johnson evolves into that guy. But I think it's, I think we can all safely say he's not there right now. I mean, that, that was the hope for this season, but he's also been hurt most of this season. So I don't know that you can count on that. You can, you can, you know, ideally that's what happens, but, uh, but you can't count on it just yet. So when, Cam Johnson went down and, and, you know, Chris Paul was hurt. We're trying to figure out, like, okay, who should be the next guy? Who's the guy that if Devin Booker's having an off night, or even if he's not, if Book's putting up 38, who's putting up 28, right? And we went back and forth on it. And, you know, for me, it's, it's always going to be DA. Um, but then Mikel Bridges had one of those huge games, right? I think it was like the night that we had that debate. I guess I'm always hesitant to pin that on Mikel because he does so much else to be like, you need to be a 26-point-a-night guy. But I will say this. When he goes over 20, they had like a 14-game winning streak when he went over 20 for a while. There was a couple games they've played this year that yeah. they've lost. But when he yeah, goes over 20, win, they Their win-loss win. record when he goes 20-plus is, is... They just win. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like a 785 winning percentage. That's pretty good winning percentage. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. But, it, but to your point, that becomes even more... Kind of in focus uh, when Book is not out there. Like I say, defenses can throw their full attention at Mikel now. Now he has worked on and improved his ball handling. He's worked on that mid-range move coming both right hand and left hand. So there there have been improvements. But when you don't have Book out there, you know they look a little more incremental because defenses can say. All they got DAs inside. Yeah. So we can we can run a couple of defenders at, at Mikel, force the ball out of his hands. Where are you gonna go with it? What do you before we hit the break here, what do you think your uh what do you what do you think their ultimate like best case scenario for Cam Johnson this year is? Because you're in this like confluence of we're getting towards the end of Chris Paul's window to win a championship. But the window can be open beyond this year, but there's also some urgency to do it this year. Like, can Cam step in in their minds and be a guy that is not single-handedly winning you playoff games, but if we see a situation like we saw against Dallas last year where the other team 
kind of locks down on Book or he just has a bad shooting night in Game 3 of a playoff series, can Cam rescue them? Or is there, are we still too far away from that? I, I mean... That, to me, is why they said, Jay, you're coming off the bench, because they, they believe that to be true. And Cam Cam's numbers were trending that way, because what they saw was the floor being spread, Book on one side, Cam on the opposite side, DA in the middle, and you've got Chris up top who can help break down, Book can break down, and with Mikel being able to shoot his corner three, now you can position Mikel near side corner to book, near side corner to cam, that's going to stress your defense. You now have to make a decision. You know, the, 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 the big question for me is cam coming off of the 13, 14 games last year when he missed due to injury, right when he was just starting to, you know, it's right when he starts playing really game, the buzzer beater against the Knicks and then he's hurt. And now you're talking about, we're probably going to be upwards of 32, 35 games. Yeah. So fans need to be realistic. We all need to be realistic. Like, he's not just going to come back and start, you know, dropping 25-point games. No. And you hope that he and the team will have enough time so that he can be uh, consistently being in that position. But you just don't know. He was uh, was the one that coming into this season – not that you want to see any of them hurt more or less than the other, but it was like he needs the regular season games more than any of these. Like, yes. Not that he's bad, but to get him to where you hope he's going to be. Because he's playing with a new, a starting unit yeah, now. It's completely, Consistently. It's, yeah, it's, it's an entirely different role, by the way, as we go to break. Did you see Adam Schefter dancing shirtless with those gold chains on that TV? You That's know, why Minnesota must lose. It was, it's like the, the Jaguars mascot. Yeah, what is, <laughs> Minnesota and Jacksonville, I'm sorry, you can't win the Super Bowl this year for what you have done to our eyes. Uh, all right, we come back. Final uh, segment of the show. Buda Baker is uh, is talking. He is, of course, going to the Pro Bowl or the Pro Bowl games, as they are called now. We'll hear what he had to say next. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray, and for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Final segment of the show here on this Thursday afternoon. Burns and Gambo coming up next. Kevin Ray is in for Wolf today. And we got Buda Baker talking. Buda Baker making it to his fourth straight Pro Bowl. That was announced yesterday, and he just had this to say about it. Definitely a cool experience. Like I said, definitely um, you know special to say that I made the Pro Bowl and all those type of things. And, you know, each and every year is something different. You know, my, my first time it was in Orlando, first, second time. Um, you know, then, then going to Vegas and, you know, all these different type of, um, you know, different type of things and activities that we're able to do. So it's definitely a special thing. And, um, you know, I always look forward to seeing the type seeing the players and talking to players on different teams and different conferences and, you know, just talking some football here and there. So it's definitely a cool experience. And, um, you know, I'm definitely blessed that I was able to, 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 to be in the Pro Bowl. You know, it's, I was talking to a buddy of mine during the game on this past Sunday and, He's just a huge Cardinals fan, right? We're just kind of all there, like trying to figure out what you do with this team now going forward. And he's like, strip it down. Like you, you have to, you just, whatever you can trade and get something good for back, do it. Like he's firmly in that trade DeAndre Hopkins because that's going to get you high picks sort of camp. Um, I understand that line of thinking to a certain extent, especially when you see other teams like in this year's draft, Philadelphia is going to have a top 10 pick because they made moves like that a couple years ago. I'm not trading Buddha. 
Buddha's the one guy. Buddha, Buddha to me is is the one untouchable on this team for what he does on the field, but also the intangibles. Now, there's other guys realistically I wouldn't trade either, but you know you're not going to get as much for those guys anyway. But Buddha's like I just think you have to have that. He's like the soul of your team. Well, yeah, and and look, he is. He is a foundational piece on so many levels, uh, a little bit like we were talking earlier with, with J.J. Watt. Um, and, you know, I, I look at Buda Baker the same way that I remember, like, looking at Adrian Wilson. Like, that dude just loves to play. Yeah. He, he represents everything going about, like, the league, like, why guys play, whether you're winning or losing, like, he puts it out there every single day, and so yeah. If you're if you're going to strip it down, you better have some like core, core people who have like their own core beliefs, which is you know I will show up and compete every day. I will compete at the highest level. I will you know I will represent the organization. I'll play with a high ankle sprain. I will yeah. <laughs> I will have every reason to have sat out for two or three weeks, but. I will show up every Sunday, every Thursday, every Monday, and you will know that I was on the field. I mean, I I would love to, <laughs> I would love to call games every week that that Buda Baker is playing. Yeah, well, and, and he's one of those guys. We we're talking about Victor Wembanyama earlier. He's one of those guys where you don't need to see his number to know who it is, right? And I know he's 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 a little bit smaller than a lot of the guys on defense, so it's not that hard to find him. But it's not that; it's the way he plays. I think you could you could sit somebody down that doesn't watch the Cardinals, and they could watch the game with you and be like, "Who's that guy? Who is that guy? Yeah. Like who's who's making who's who's ten yards away from a play where somebody else is two yards away, and he gets there and makes a tackle before them, and he just launches his body into that guy? Yeah, and there is a tight end or an offensive lineman barreling down on him who have. Oh, anywhere between 85 and 100 pounds yeah. and five inches. Doesn't and he care. somehow got around them to make the tackle? <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> yeah, uh, consistently? <laughs> here's, uh, here's more from, uh, from Buddha. This time talking about Tom Brady. He's seen everything, and Tom Brady. He's seen everything, so it's not like you're going to be able to, you know, try to, you know, confuse him because, of course, he's been in the league for 20-some years, most mostly longer than guys have been alive. So, um, you know, for us, it's just being very detailed in whatever the call is, um, you know, pre-snap, post-snap, and just being as detailed as we can with which, with whatever call VJ gives us, and then we play football from there. It's going to be interesting to see what Brady looks like. You know what I mean? I mean, it's still Tom Brady. They are still probably playoff bound. I know he hasn't been good. We talked to Rick Stroud earlier this this uh, the, the show today in the first hour, and he was like, yeah, he hasn't, but it's not just Brady. But normally, K-Ray, you're going into a game against Tom Brady. That's the talk for the whole week. We've mentioned Brady a little bit this week. I haven't even heard him mention most of the week just in general. Dude, when we did our Fulcrum 5. Nobody took him. Nobody took Brady. Typically, quarterbacks are frowned upon, but I don't think he would have gone anyway. Yeah, it, and it is it is the, the the one year with Brady, and for a variety of reasons, um, that you're just not sure which version of Tom you're going to get. Because last week he he was right. I mean, he took ownership for, and I watched like some of the highlights, and like there were three throws, and like, whew, yeah, that's just bad. It's not, it's not I, Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, but the the one thing that I would say, and this is like, you know, looking beyond this game, but it will be interesting to see with his decision. I mean, you've got to figure that 
His offseason was unlike any offseason he has ever had because of the personal stuff going on in his life and how that affected his preparation. Yeah. We saw it during as, camp. Yeah. As maniacal as his preparation has always been, and I'm sure it was to a degree, it wasn't to the level that he needed, much less at the age of, of 45. You think he caves and had a hazelnut filled donut? And that's why they're <laughs> six and eight. There, there may have been some a, a, a drip or two of chocolate syrup on the avocado ice cream. Brady oh, didn't have to so good when it hits your lips. Seven <laughs> avocados last week, and now the Buccaneers have to to suffer. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, because if you're if you're Brady, and, and if if you think that way, you know, we're all looking and saying, "Dude, you're going to get in the playoffs. You don't look like yourself. You still have a chance to kind of bow out gracefully after this. Maybe you win a playoff game. Who knows? But you can kind of, you know, it's not like you went out in last place in your division." You're 100% right. He probably looks at it as like, I'm better than this. And I really didn't get to prepare like I normally do. And my routine was thrown off and I can come back and still be better, at least better than I was this year, next year. Which is why people are still talking about him playing in Tampa or San Francisco or wherever. As crazy as that sounds right now. Yeah, and by, by bow out gracefully, you mean go take $37.5 million to stand in a booth and talk about football? Yeah, I'll bow out gracefully. Dude must love playing football. If it's like, <laughs> if you come over here, you don't get hit anymore, and here's $37.5 million a year. This is like for 10 years, isn't it, or something? Well, and he, yeah, I mean... Uh, it's a good deal. He's he's got some FTX losses to absorb, so yeah, might need to start cashing in those thirty-seven point five million dollar paychecks. <laughs> well, on that note, we'll remember that when Moving Brady <laughs> Brady has a game on Sunday and puts up like four hundred yards. Uh, K Ray, great stuff, man. Thank you for uh, for filling in this week. And I've got nine hundred producers to thank, so <laughs> I'm going to thank Erin Maloney because she did still produce the show. Thanks to Jesse Morrison who ran all around Phoenix, came back and was able to work on the show. Uh, Zach Larson, Lauren Kovo was here. Thanks to K-Ray. I'm Luke Lipinski. We have Burns and Gambo next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.